Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that nails the intro in the first take every time. I'm your host and person that's never flubbed an opening, David Lloyd, and this episode we'll be analyzing some of the best opening minutes in an RPG. We'll be discussing some of our favorites from the now iconic intros in the Final Fantasy series, to even maybe a few less talked about opening minutes from some other great terrific RPGs. Joining me is a person that stuck with us even after mispronouncing her name in her introduction to the mage, Paige Detlison. I think the claim that you nail the intro on the first take every time is rather dubious. <laughs> I, w- I won't say how many times you've already messed it up, but yeah. that's what happens uh, when you when you control editing is that you control you control the facts. So there there there's no there's no uh, auditorial proof that uh, it takes me seven or eight tries every, every episode to get the intro right, even though I'm reading from a script. So. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, I, as proven in your introduction to the mage, it doesn't matter if whether the the name is uh, English or or from another language. I also managed to find a way to to mispronounce it. So, and also joining us is a man that needs no introduction, since you probably know him from a number of different podcasts. Casey Gibson. Howdy ho! Well, it, it's actually funny you mention uh, flubbing lines, and that that one was actually perfect. You, you nailed that one. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good week. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's a good week. Definitely, definitely didn't uh, redo any intros or you know change the script on the fly. None of that happened. Well, uh, thanks to the wonders of it. You know what it is. You needed a couple extra days. You know this this week's been uh, tough to get us all together here uh, for the podcast. But it, it gave you a couple extra days to work on that intro. And perfect. Yeah. You know? Over. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Either that or overthinking. That's that's also an issue. Yeah. Uh, maybe too much time to to play around with those uh, those different wordings and that's. <laughs> Before we get too far, if you enjoy the show, we'd love if you could help support us by telling a friend or two or maybe even a three about our podcast, or shouting out to the world at large on Twitter about how much you love the show. You can also help us out financially by subscribing through Patreon or leaving a tip via Ko-fi. Subscribing via Patreon provides a number of additional bonuses, including exclusive episodes you'll only be able to hear through the Patreon, so be sure to sign up today. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this week uh, we don't have Jordan with us, so unfortunately there won't be a... We'll have to disp- dispense with the usual Oreo uh, <laughs> review. Oh, well, I could tell but, you uh, real quick, it's not quite an Oreo, right? But uh, do you go to Subway ever? Yep, yeah, yeah, I've been to Subway. Have you ever gotten the cookies from Subway? They they do have solid cookies at Subway. They're unbelievable. Sure. I feel like every time I yeah. get one, it's just like I'm like Jesus. Usually we get like yeah. the uh, the raspberry cheesecake ones, but I, I got just a, a good old fashioned chocolate chip the other day, and it's just like wow, like Bravo Subway. It's not not quite an Oreo, but yeah, we don't have the raspberry cheesecake. We have uh, there's the double chocolate, which so it's like a chocolate um, cookie batter, I guess, with chocolate chips. Yeah, mm. uh, we have the white macadamia nut. And the we have um I guess it's like uh, uh, I don't know if it's M and M's or Smarties like the some kind of like colorful chocolate uh, yeah. instead of ch- chocolate chocolate chips. Uh, those are those are ours. oh are those maybe like the M and M's kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, they're like uh, broken down M and M's, like just kind of mixed into the cookie. Mm. Sounds pretty good, and it's from Subway, yeah. so I know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. This episode brought to you by Subway. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so yeah, I guess maybe maybe no Oreo this week, but we got our cookie review in, and we'll definitely get our beer of the week in this week. And uh, so we're w- working our way um, across the uh, beer periodic table. And uh, this week we have the lambic. So the lambic is a type of beer that's brewed in a region of Belgium just southwest of Brussels, and it uh, differs from other beers in the sense that it's uh, fermented, that is fermented through exposure to wild yeasts and bacteria that are only native to the uh, Zen Valley. So um, the process uh, gives the beer a, a bit more distinctive flavor. It's a bit more dry, um, usually a little bit more fruity, I guess you'd say, because uh, usually the sour beers are the ones that come under uh, the Lambic uh, family. Uh, the alcohol content is uh, typically between like 4.5 and 6.5. Um, it's a little bit on the low side, I uh, guess. I say but... not not high enough for David's standards. Yeah, that's right. Um, again, it's uh, got a low IBU, uh, low uh, hoppy taste. So uh, anyone who's uh, not a fan of the hop uh, would be a fan of these uh, types because it's got a, a very light one. And um, I guess the again the lambic isn't necessarily one of the types of beer that you would see kind of mass produced by uh, you know your Molson or your Labatt or whatever. Um, but the, uh, I guess the, you'd probably be able to find the most of them through, uh, Belv, 
Bellevue Kirik. I hope that's pronounced correctly because it's Belgian. Um, but this is usually like the Lambics are, you would tend to see them like with some type of fruit flavor. So, uh, their main one is the, uh, it's brewed with cherries, which gives it a, a sweet little taste. Um, or the, uh, other one, other brand you might've seen is Lindemann's, uh, which makes a bunch of like apple, peach, cherries, uh, et cetera, a bunch of different ones. So if you're uh, looking in, uh, looking for a Lambic, it's uh, it's a pretty good beer. Boom. for this week is the opening minutes to an RPG. It's uh, especially important for RPGs because they're so the games are so long that it's uh, always good to get out to a good first impression right off the bat. And uh, some of the, the classics, uh, I guess the typical things that you see in introductions like these is you see maybe some uh, some dramatic opening moments that are, they kind of give you a taste of uh, what's to come, maybe a quick look at the battle system. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit of a tutorial system, but uh, a lot of the great ones always have uh, great music and, and maybe even a little cliffhanger at the end. And I think uh, Paige's uh, pick for uh, her favorite opening minutes in an RPG pretty much ticks all those boxes. Yeah, because um, the, the first thing they wrote was uh first 15 minutes of an RPG, so that was hard to pick because what you think is the first 15 minutes can often be a lot longer than 15. <laughs> yep. But I think Persona 5 fits the bill perfectly, even if you're including the when you open up the game and it's got the... um. You know, like a lot of games now have those those cutscenes, like opening cinematics, and in this case, the original Persona 5 had the wake up, get up, get out there song, and they're all sort of looking like they're ice skating mm-hmm. on the roads. Whereas Persona 5 Royal had a different song, which like their song Colors Flying High, which I do like that song better, but I think the first has a better opening in terms of theming towards. Mm-hmm. The, like the freedom and rebelling in the game, and then even when you open up in yeah the original Persona Five, the main menus like the Shibuya subways, which ties into the location and a place later in the game in Mementos. But the actual once you actually click and open the game is I think it's a really good introduction. You've got in Persona Five there's a few um, animated cutscenes like two D style once so it opens up with the shot of the casino and then going in and on your character shocking the guests and then it flows into gameplay where you're escaping out of the casino where you presumably heisted it so you control the character for a a bit (laughs) yeah Um, pretty hard to lose those ones and you even get into a little bit of combat, though it's pretty basic because you just one shot the <laughs> the enemies. You know? uh, but you know, it does it does show you off like the the style of it. Yeah, so you manage to get out of there. Um, it's also good for when you if you play Persona Five Royal, then you actually notice a difference because another character shows up that didn't obviously wasn't in the base game. So then you sort of know at like what point in the game they might appear later because they help you out to escape in that game. And then, yeah, once you finally manage to get out, you're again in another anime cutscene uh, where there's suddenly a ton of police outside of the casino and you get caught and one of them reveals that one of your own friends ratted you out. So it cuts to you being in the interrogation room and... After being beat up a bit, uh, the prosecutor side comes in, and that's when you start, you sort of grow back to like, how'd you get here? Because she's like, she's trying to, she's trying to get the facts, like, you know, well, how did this start? You know, so you go back several months, and that's what you're playing the game as, that you're, that you're just reliving the, you know, what you're playing through your everyday life, and. All the all the gameplay is your recounting what happened to her. So it'll, every so often between major events, it'll cut back to that point. 
And yeah, that's that's all within yeah, pretty much the first fifteen minutes of the game. Yeah, it's pretty pretty condensed really. Getting up to the that point. Yeah, like if if we're just looking at um the the part of the game, like you said, after the kind of the main menu, they they get a whole lot in there very quickly. Like you said, they they start off with like the action sequence. Um, in that casino, which I think is pretty fun. Uh, it yep. kind of gets you feeling into the movement and, and with the character. And like you said, you have those kind of quick combat scenes. I think they did a really good job of um, adding in the, um, the, the the character, like it, like you said, in Persona 5 Royal. The, the intro pretty is pretty much the same, except the one battle at the end, they, they add in that second character. And I think it's um, a very well uh, orchestrated yeah. and very well planned, like how they were able to get in that without effectively changing the introduction like they're, they're able to kind of show that extra character uh, introduce her early on but really didn't disrupt the flow in any way uh it, it was kind of a seamless addition i thought yeah i think it's it's as far as i think it's pretty good it's got a very nice um sort of hook to pull you in that you've got you know you're doing the casino heist and then it turns out you've been ratted out and then you basically go back in time and play the game till you find out what happened so you've got that whole what well, while you you know you're back at the normal introduction the game would have with your tutorials and all that you're just thinking about you know who, who ends up being the trailer and what's going to happen after this when you get when you catch up to that part that date well i also love the music and uh they do a good job of showing uh how variety like how much variety of music's in there because when you have the casino scene you kind of have the fast the fast pace yeah um kind of you know uh i don't know jazzy kind of i guess music and then but when you get into the interrogation scene when you're kind of back in the um in that room with Sai, the it, it's kind of like the foreboding um bad things are happening uh uh very, very like uh, horror esque, I guess, sort of music to kind of uh, yeah. showcase like how how the the feeling has changed. Like it, it's a bad Joker's in a bad way, and and it kind of leaves almost on a cliffhanger to a certain extent of like you know going like you said going back and kind of starting from the beginning of the story. Uh, I I can't think of anything there that that they missed. Like uh, if, I I feel like they kind of nail everything. They. They give you a little bit of taste of the the combat. They do a good mix of like the anime scenes uh, and, and just kind of the the regular traversal um, through there. Don't really give anything like you said. They don't really give anything away except um, kind of hint at when you end up running into that new character in the royal version. I'm trying to think if if there's any. I don't know if there's any kind of criticism I could label on that. It just it just seems to just nail yeah. it. Like a it's got to be up there and as one of the top. Top intros. Yeah, sets the mood and gets you interested in the story. So that's what's really important in an opening. Yeah, and uh, I uh, agree with you uh, as well on the um, those opening, the, like the when the game first starts, there's that, that kind of anime cutscene, like you said, that runs, probably runs like 60 seconds to two minutes, I guess, at the beginning. And um, yeah, I, I, prob- I would agree with you that I think the original opening... Um, it just has a little bit more style than the second one. Like, I don't know if they, it seemed like there was a bit, like you said, there was kind of that more rebellious attitude kind of stylistic in the original. And then I don't know if it, they're kind of leaning more towards the, in the, in the second one, kind of more towards like the friendship aspect of it, I guess, or the relationship. I don't know. When I started playing Royal, I certainly was taken aback by like, oh, where'd where'd wake up, get up, go, because because that was like one of my favorite songs uh, in the soundtrack. So it was kind of like, oh, oh, they changed that. Oh, okay. Like I do like the Carlos Slang's high song a lot, but just the actual, um, yeah, the wake up, get up there, the and the animation for that looks a lot better than I think um, colorful smashing buildings stuff. <laughs> Uh, but uh, moving on, so this week, um, my the the first fifteen minutes for me that kind of stood out, that kind of was the uh, I guess the inspiration for this week's podcast, um, came about when uh, I downloaded uh, Lost the Odyssey onto my Xbox Series X. So when you have the uh, the Game Pass, they have a, a nice little um, 
discount on the old uh, Sakaguchi games, so you could pick up uh, Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon for five dollars a pair or five dollars each, I guess. Oh man, Blue Dragon! I haven't thought about that one in a minute. <laughs> That's right. I remember so, getting a 360 hyped for that game. Yeah, well, it's funny. I like it. It. I I had a 360, but it just I don't know. I just completely missed out on that one for whatever reason. Um, I remember Lost Odyssey back in the day, but never ended up picking it up. So this was my first go with it. From the Final Fantasy, old Final Fantasy games, uh, you can you know that Sakaguchi knows how to do a, a good intro. So uh, Lost Odyssey is no exception. And um, so with this one, the way it starts out is that it has kind of like a, a Lord of the Rings style uh, standoff, I suppose you'd say, between a couple of armies, uh, Yura and Kent. Um, again, hopefully those are pronounced correctly because I haven't actually <laughs> gotten much further past the intro. So, uh, but yeah, there's uh, uh Yura has uh, seemingly regular humans. They're kind of like in armor. You can kind of see their see their faces or whatever. But uh, Kent, the the army of Kent, they're kind of like a mechanical beast like knight. So they're they have you can't really see them under the armor. So they kind of almost look like robots to a certain extent. But uh, both both sides uh, run at each other and they're hacking away and. Uh, the early on the warriors on the URI section, like the humans, they're they're just getting wrecked. Like <laughs> they got these huge black knights on the Kent side, and they're they're just tearing guys up uh, to bits and um, slicing up people. And then they these they have these crazy tanks uh, as well, where they it, it's uh, got this like great big blade. It's almost like a chainsaw, and it just like slams down and takes out like twenty guys at a time. And uh, so it's this crazy crazy battle and you see people uh getting slaughtered and left right and center and then you, you see you get to the point where it's like okay the the battle's pretty much over the the army on the kent side is just decimated uh the humans and they're kind of like walking through all the bodies on the ground looking for movement basically <laughs> to kind of finish <laughs> the job and then uh out of nowhere you see these these um uh, platforms kind of coming and they've got these guys on top and it reminded me of uh do you remember the the mad max movie the the recent one with um i can't remember the the he had a, an actual name the the guitar flamethrower guy that was like standing on the platform <laughs> i've never uh, seen those movies but i can imagine what that would look like that uh, was pretty pretty neat so there's this guy just standing and he's playing like a guitar and there's like a flamethrower coming out of it uh, it reminded <laughs> me a lot of that but uh, in this case, in Lost Odyssey, the the people standing on the top of these platforms are actually mages, and uh, they start uh, resurrecting all of the humans. Oh <laughs> so no! So all of a sudden, yeah, so all these dead bodies are just standing up and and getting back into the fight. Um, so all of a sudden, like the battle starts up again, and then the uh, this is when we're introduced to the main protagonist, uh, Kaim or Kame. Uh, not sure which one that goes with, but um, basically he just like leaps out of nowhere and just starts uh, wrecking these massive Kent uh, soldiers. He's just um, slicing them down like three or four at a time. And uh, this is when you're first uh, given control of the, of the character in this uh, turn-based system. So you're there. He's basically completely surrounded in a circle. So you, you just pick fight and pick whoever you want and he'll just slash them down and go to town. Um, yeah. He's just going to town. Uh, until the one of the tanks with the massive uh, chainsaw blades comes in, uh, and and all of a sudden now that's what you're fighting. So the next fight is is uh, Kaim taking on these this this great big tank. So it's got like a uh, laser flamethrower on the side, and then this this saw, and so you you end up fighting that, and you end up bringing it down, <laughs> and then the whole battle has this wild ending where uh, a meteor uh, comes like it's all cloudy right and all of a sudden the clouds are starting to dissipate and this meteor is falling from the sky and just slams into the ground and then the meteor like busts open in lava just like it's almost like a, a hot a water balloon I guess <laughs> I was thinking a Cadbury egg for the Easter <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right Cadbury egg and all the creams coming out but yeah it, it hits the ground and then the lava comes out it just like that's it. The, the the fight's over. Both armies are just torched. <laughs> <laughs> and it just leaves the main protagonist kind of standing there. And, and it's funny because he has real no reaction to it the whole time. He's just like, oh, yeah, there's a meteor and all. Boom! <laughs> and all of a sudden, another day uh, at the office, if you will. Yep. Yeah, it's just another day at the office. So he's uh, watching the lava pour pour out around him and melting everybody around him. And uh, the, the whole thing ends up uh, finishing off with... Uh, 
you taking control of the main protagonist and kind of just walking through the wreckage afterwards and seeing what's up. So, um, I don't know, it's pretty, pretty amazing opening for me. Um, kind of has all the things that you'd expect from a big opening. It has like, you know, dramatic fight sequence, a lot of action, um, gives you the, uh, a little taste of the combat system, like the turn-based system with uh, the two different fights there. Uh, it has the, the epic, uh, Uematsu music going on. And then it ends kind of with, uh, I don't know if it's a, with a cliffhanger, but with a bang, I guess you'd say it ends with the, the meteor hitting the ground. So, uh, yeah, I just think, uh, when you're thinking of like RPGs and, and having them kind of uh, that first impression of the first 15 minutes or so, and in, in the sense where that, you know, they want to capture your attention and keep you playing in. I really think uh, this, this game does a great job of doing that. Mm, heck yeah. That's awesome. And, and now how much did, uh, did this cost? You said you get a discount for uh, on there. Yeah. I think it's usually $20, uh, regular but when you have game pass like you you get discounts on games so you can actually buy it for 4.99 oh boom yeah that's not too shabby no not too bad so uh was worth it for me uh, i'm looking forward to continuing uh continuing on after i'm done the the trails game i'm working on uh, the the ever the never-ending trails so in another trails, uh, 80 hours of gameplay maybe yeah no i'm getting near the end of the one i probably got 10 15 hours left and then i'll think i'll <laughs> Move on to Lost Odyssey, but... Isn't that funny? Oh, I'm almost at the end. Another 10 or 15. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, I, I know you, Casey, the, you, you've also played a, a game, uh, not necessarily uh, designed by Sakaguchi, but certainly uh, based off of one that he worked on. Yeah, well, so... For me, when we were thinking about this topic, right, I was trying to think of, of games that, you know... Like, that just popped right to my head, right? So I didn't want to necessarily, like, dip back too much and think about, like, oh, maybe what are some little, you know, smaller games that have some cool entries, but, like, what stands out biggest to me? So, um, I know, obviously we've been playing, or I've been playing, I should say, Final Fantasy VII Remake, so that one obviously jumps right to the forefront, um... I, you know, obviously the the original two, like the the sequence is so cool, right? They, they throw you right into the action, um, which... I think, like, for me, it's cool. I, I like those beginnings, right? It's like, you don't really have much time to think about what's going on. It's just, it's already going. Um, mm. You know, you get in, you're, you're, oh, I'm, all right, we're going to blow up this reactor. I'm with these, you know, this group of people, you know, I'm working, for, you know, to get money kind of thing. So what's cool to me when I think about that is, like, they've, I'm coming in sort of halfway, or maybe not necessarily halfway, but, but the, the, the story's begun, right? The avalanche story and everything they're doing uh, is already underway. And then we sort of jump in, you know, right right as it's, you know, starting to see some action taking place. So, I don't know. I, I always sort of think, because some of these, you know, some RPGs will start like, oh, the beginning of the adventure, it starts here with you, you know, where I don't know. I, I just always thought it was sort of interesting, like, oh, I'm now tagging along. And then obviously you get like really intertwined with it all and and all that as you go through. But, you know, I, I like that kind of intro. And then with this, like I said, it's not only are you coming in a little bit further in their storyline, but like right into the action, right? You you fight some enemies, you sort of get to uh, understand the battle system, and then you know with final the original, right? Obviously turn based. With the new one, now we've got this more action oriented one, uh, which my God, it's just so good. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's like I'm gonna gush about Final Fantasy VII for a while too, but uh, but yeah, and then you know you're working your way through here into the reactor, um, you know. With the remake, obviously, like, your mind is being blown by these visuals, right? Like, because you're, oh, I remember, like, this is what I envisioned it looked like, and now I get to actually see it, you know, partake in, in this amazing, uh, high-quality, super-detailed, um, you know, layout of the reactor and everything. So, uh, and then I think what's cool is, too, um, you know, you, you fight, you know, a little boss there, you, you blow up the reactor, and then, you know, you get a little bit more like, oh, actually, like, Shinra's up to something here, too, right? Like, they're, they, you know, they take your explosion, which would destroy the reactor, and makes it way worse to, you know, be able to pin the blame on Avalanche and make them look like the real bad guys here. And, I, you know, I, I was trying to think, I don't know if I just glossed over it or if I just didn't necessarily... Uh, 
you know, sort of connect the importance of it. But obviously in the remake, they make it much more obvious that Shinra has taken this explosion you put up uh, and made it far worse. Um, I don't know, like I said, if it was that like more subtly articulated in the original or if I just don't really necessarily remember it that much. I don't think it was at the forefront because um, the uh, like it pretty much goes the same way. But I know like at the end of the remake, like they showed uh, they showed like a cutscene of the Shinra president and and um, oh, I, I forget that home the the, Ho- the not Hojo uh, who's he with uh, the, yeah. the the army guy I can't think of his name now for whatever it's been oh Hein Heindinger um, yeah that's it yeah they're yeah. they're kind of watching Avalanche go in on the security cameras and they actually uh, uh, with the with the explosion you, you can see. I, I know in the original, they didn't have that, like in the remake, they had where the, the explosion that Cloud and Barrett puts in it isn't actually what caused all the damage. Like they show in the remake, they actually, the, the president orders them to like blow yeah, up. Yeah, you should see more. like lasers making it far worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, that certainly didn't happen in the first one. Like it, to my recollection, it was just, they did the bomb and they got out. Like, I don't, I don't think they showed any of that. They might have. Maybe talked about it in like text later, yeah. but yeah, they certainly didn't show it like they did in the remake. But I think the one of the things with the remake too is that it had such high expectations because the original Final Fantasy intro is is one of the most iconic intros ever. Really, like it's arguably one of the the most popular, especially at the time, like it being such a uh, a mind blowing experience uh, for yeah, visual for masterpiece. Mm-hmm. So they definitely had high high expectations to kind of meet and exceed those uh those expectations and i know for me too like when i played it last year it was i, I couldn't believe how well they nailed it i was very <laughs> very worried going in that uh you know you, you'd never know how much they're going to change or how much license they're going to take or if they'll even be able to uh, to to hit the standards that we have uh, going into to games like this but like the, every detail of it was incredible like the uh, kind of uh, redoing that initial scene with uh, Aerith at the beginning and, and then seeing the detail on the city as the as the camera's pulling back. Uh, like then, when you walk through yeah. s- the slums, uh, Sector 5 slums, after, yeah. you know, you fall through. And, yeah. and like, obviously, it's they knew what they were doing. Like, this is just going to be like a gingerly stroll so you could sort of see the area and just, man. And I love running through those slums and, like, hearing all the people speaking um, mm-hmm. And like sometimes you would even hear them and it would like muddle what you were saying or, or what Tifa was saying or something, you know, but it, to me, it just made it feel that much more alive, that much more of a, of a true living, you know, community of people. Uh, and, and like, obviously their, their dialogue is sort of changing as events are partaking uh, throughout, you know, throughout the story. So you could sort of, you know, hear like, you know, passing by like, oh, like, yeah, Avalanche, a bunch of scumbags, you know, kind of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, like, we're all like, is the other plate going to fall, you know? And, and it's yeah. just, I thought it was really cool. I, yeah. The, the expectations, um, were sky high with this game and somehow <laughs> Square was able <laughs> to surpass them. I mean, honestly, like I, I really, whew, not much bad I can say about, uh, the remake. I, I've really, really, really loved it. But yeah, but yeah, really, really enjoyed in that intro how they, um, how they added in the the character development of the Avalanche members without taking away. Like one of the worries is when you start adding things, like you don't want to put too much in. But I think they did a great job of uh, having those interactions with the Avalanche members kind of seeped into that initial introduction. Like you really don't get that that same level of interaction with like Biggs and Wedge and and Jesse, uh, in the original. Um, but you, you kind of have a much better, like there's so much more development just in those first few minutes. And obviously it continues on throughout the game, but, um, just being introduced to them and, and fantastic voice acting from all three, like all, all, well, everybody. In the yeah. Game, every, guess, everything. But. Yeah. I was going to say for sure. You, you definitely, it felt very organic because right you're you're it works well because you're new to the part like the game is just beginning these characters are new to you if you've never played the game before and then also you know clouds new to the group as well so it feels like yeah like their introduction style but like you know what i mean obviously 
contained within what they're trying to do as a, a group and a mission right there. And yeah, it just it felt organic. It didn't feel forced or awkward. And um, yeah, I think, you know, to I don't want to say they were throwaway characters in the original. Uh, but yeah, like they're they're definitely not necessarily characters when I think back um, to, to playing the original. Like, oh, yeah, I really loved, you know. It, those the trio of avalanche that sort of is like the not the main players you know but here they not only made them feel much more important but yeah they developed them and and made you really feel like wow like i love these characters you know like it, the interactions even within themselves and then you know including cloud as well and yeah they again just square square really knocked it out of the park mm-hmm the uh, the only I remember back back then the only criticism I remember hearing about the intro was uh, I know some people were having difficulty with the boss, which um, I don't know like I I get personally good. Didn't fa- <laughs> yeah I did, I don't know if it was even a get good it was it seemed more like a, it, as long as you were paying attention to the prompts I feel like it was r- steering you towards how to defeat the the boss like. I know there's like a mention of, um, I guess that's the thing is you have to kind of hear them, listen to them talking because I know either Baird or Cloud had mentioned like that, that to use thunder on the boss uh, in, in certain situations and to get behind the, um, when the boss starts the like shooting the, yeah. the guns like, to, to get right behind the rubbish. So I, yeah, I guess it wasn't so much as an on-screen prompt as long as you were listening to what they were saying. I, I think it, there was enough direction there to, to easily get past the boss but i just remember at the time a couple people like seeing on twitter and like why is this boss so hard and i'm like "Mm, i don't know i think also i I know for me something that like when when i die it's often because i just don't use the guard button nearly as much and like Mm -hmm. i'll just eat way too much damage so that maybe that could be something early on especially where people aren't utilizing the the dodge and and the um the guard as much but yeah i find like even later into the game like they're like i i do not use the guard nearly as much as i probably should um but i've made it pretty much to the end (laughs) without too much hassle so (laughs) and uh before we move on i just want to get your opinion on like what what do you think of the music like the how they've they've redone the music the original music i like it uh you know the original the original soundtrack is just it is, uh, it's one of those ones, like, I literally listen to quite often, just at random points in time, you know, I'll just, like, throw it on and listen to some, some music from there, um, but no, I think, I think it's, it's good, I like it, um, I especially, I love going around to the different vending machines and finding, like, the, the little tunes you could put in the jukebox yeah. and stuff, like, I thought that yeah. was super cool, um, and hearing, like, all, like, the, like, the different styles of, uh, music and then like using obviously like the original uh, melodies and, and stuff along those lines like uh, the weird like DJ Chocobo one you know like it's sort of like <laughs> yeah. sort of trippy and weird and it's like yeah. at first you're like what am I listening to but then all of a sudden you're like actually it's sort of good in a weird way um, but yeah no I, I, I was enjoying pretty much uh, I, I need to what I need to do is listen to it just not playing the game you know to Mm-hmm. to truly give it more of a listen um but no i i've enjoyed what i've heard um why do you not love it no i'm just curious like uh there you've always got people who are it's like you know the purists purists yeah like because you and i both played played fun fantasy a long time ago um so we have like this memories ingrained in our minds so sometimes you can get the new music and you're like eh. <laughs> yeah, but I, not, not I my music <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, that's right. Not my music, uh, but yeah, no, I thought they did a good job of doing the remix because obviously they had to step it up for the uh, the new system. But no, I thought they did a really good job there. Yeah, that's one of the sad things about um, I think will be with Final Fantasy sixteen is that like in Final Fantasy seven remake, like you said, there's you can find like the jukebox uh, tunes. But then the other thing was in Final Fantasy fifteen, it was the same sort of thing. Like they had you could get the old soundtracks and you could actually play them in the car while you're driving. <laughs> and so I, that's cool. I, I just really like how you could kind of control the music to a certain extent, uh, or you can like listen to the old stuff. But uh, obviously, I in the in the new medieval setting, I don't think that, that option is going to be. <laughs> I don't imagine you'll be finding uh, records uh, just drawn about within the uh, whatever the in the world in Final Fantasy 16. So yeah, I uh, think we'll have to wait and see. 
yeah, yeah. Just sheet music for like a some sort of bard or something. But <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, no. I think what's cool is because like everyone loves a good little collectathon item within a game, right? But most of the time, you collect them and it checks off something on a, a list somewhere, and you know maybe you get a trophy for it or something along those lines. But I think with the the, like finding the music and the CDs like to me like oh not only is that like rewarding to like oh I found the the collectible thing but then it also lets you listen to it and and like you said alter the music and I don't know it just makes it feel more valuable than what uh, like some games would just have you oh like yep you got it you know put it towards the trophy list kind of thing uh, I like the like sort of the double um, reward if you will mm-hmm uh, do you have a, any final thoughts uh, before we move on to last call? Yeah, I guess just to not, we won't go too deep into Chrono Trigger, but I did think, uh, again, when I was thinking about these intros and uh, these two jumped off the page at me, of course. Uh, yeah, I know, real original, like two of like the best <laughs> RPGs ever. But uh, yeah. but what I thought was interesting is like how drastically they like different and especially pacing wise these two games start off but they both are so memorable uh you know obviously final fantasy 7 right into the thick of it right where mm -hmm. chrono trigger you're wake you're, you're woken up by your mom there's the the fair going on and why don't you go check it out and then you you know you go check it out and there's fun mini games and and little races and oh you could beat up the robot you know and go around and, and just really very gingerly right there's absolutely no rush no urgency just sort of you know, hey, it's my day off. I'm I'm gonna enjoy this fair, and then obviously you find uh, Luca, and you're thrown into this craziness where uh, obviously you you get sent into a, a different time period, um, and then that sort of really like gets the ball rolling. But I thought just so different, right? Like the the pacing so drastically different, but still both uh, achieve really memorable moments uh, to open up a game. And I think that fair and just like sort of the mini games sort of opens it up and, and makes it interesting in a, a different kind of way than Final Fantasy VII, but, um, you know, all the more memorable uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, like we said, with Final Fantasy VII, the action starts right away, but it, it's it's what, like if Final Fantasy, in the Final Fantasy VII world, I guess it's things are bad and you're trying to make them good. Uh, whereas Chrono Trigger is like, things things start off good but turn bad <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, an interesting way to put it too for sure yeah because that's a one of the things that stood out to me with chrono trigger is that it's like everyone seems to kind of be in in this peaceful moment or or you know how, how things are well like you got this like little kind of idyllic village and they're having their fair and that sort of thing and then uh the bad thing happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that kind of leads us uh leads on to uh, having to kind of fix things later on. But uh, yeah, a bit, a bit more uh, ca casual. I don't know if casual is the right word, but a little more relaxed start to Chrono Trigger than the Final Fantasy VII for sure. Yeah, the, the urgency isn't there. Mm -hmm. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up. And order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. Ah, but for last call this week, uh, our topic is actually is the opposite. I guess this would be the the RPG or RPGs that uh, maybe didn't start off uh, as as good as they could have, or maybe there there was a, a period of time that you kind of had to get past to really get into it. Um, games that maybe uh, are known to have people drop off early on, and uh, I, I have one in particular that stands out for me, Casey. But uh, do you have any uh, any for you that uh, jumped to the front of your mind? Uh, I was trying to think. I mean, I can't. I'm like trying to think of one that just is like real bad. Or uh, I guess what I can say, and, and this is a game I actually love a lot. Um, but it was like one of the very most frustrating experiences uh, was actually Shin Megami Tensei 4. It is now you have not played this, right? No, no, I own it, but I still have to still have to get to it. So in that game, it's like it's you and then you have your demons, right? You get like three demons in battle and you start the game off. You don't have any demons. So it's like I remember like trying to and recruiting a demon is 
I feel like it's completely obtuse and random. Now, there might be some sort of way, I, I, I don't know, I've read online and other people, you know, sort of same situation. So I think, like, there might be a pattern, but I think there's also randomness to it. But essentially, uh, you, like, talk to the demon and they'll ask you a question and then, or, or do something, right? Like, and then you'll have three options to sort of... Uh, progress the conversation and you know it's weird like actually it is weird it, one of uh i forgot it's one of like the 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 female demons if like it's like you always just sort of give like a negative response and then they'll join your team for some reason like that was one of the patterns i remember i was like Ikarumba. but uh but it's like in the beginning it was really random so i just remember getting smoked uh like and just dying. I, like, died, like, four times before I even got a demon on my team, you know? And I remember, like, like how am I supposed... Like, and then once you get a demon, it's, like, now all of a sudden your, like, health... You know, obviously you've got two people, so it's, like, you're not dying as often. And it was sort of much easier to get more demons once I got one, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. I just remember, like, the, the beginning, like, dying a whole bunch. And, I mean, I made through. I was like, whatever. I just pushed through and got there. But I could see that being someone who wasn't like dead set on really playing this game being something where it would have been a big turnoff. You know, like I tried to play and I died. I got game over five times in the first five minutes. And I said, you know, forget this. But uh, but I would say stick it out because it is actually a really good game. Yeah, that kind of makes me think of the mine is. The, the one, I don't know if it, if it's necessarily uh, a problem with the intro as opposed to maybe just a, it took too long to kind of get to the, the meat and potatoes, I guess, of the uh, the combat system. But I know a lot of people had a, problems with the way Xenoblade Chronicles 2 um, opened up. And um, I, I know even for myself, like I, I was really enjoying it at the beginning. Um, the... Uh, the, the the first it's not so much the first few, 15 minutes or so I, it was neat to learn you know see rex and then uh find pyra and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but i just know that like for the by the i can't remember the exact chapter but it's it was around like 30 hours i was just starting to wear down like i was like ah, i don't know if this is like if i if i'm gonna be able to make the long haul um and uh so it got to i'm pretty sure it's chapter four there's like a, a battle with um, oh, the two the two main bad guys there, Jin and Malos, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's where that's when uh, Mithra potentially is introduced. I think around the 30, 30 hour mark. Could be wrong about that. It's been a few years, but I just know in that big battle, the there there's this you have the big battle with them, and then the chapter ends, and then. At that point, that's when the final um, blade is unlocked and you have all three and, and everything kind of unlocks at that point. And all of a sudden it was like a light switch turning off for me where it's like, OK, now the combat's now that I can do everything in the combat system, um, I'm really digging it. And I just remember being so upset. It's like, why did it take 30 to 40 hours <laughs> to finally let me play the game? Like, it just felt like I was playing a tutorial for that long. That's a and hell of an intro. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, the intro just went too long. And I know, like, I hear that from so many people where they're like, oh, I, you know, played for 10, 15 hours, 20 hours. It just wasn't getting it. And then I always, like, try to convince people. It's like, oh, you got to get to this chapter. And they're like, well, what chapter is that? And it's like, well, it's about 30 hours in and... And sometimes you got, they're like, no, no. And then other people, like when they actually get there, they have that same Eureka moment where it's like, yes, this is the the, the real game. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to make any uh, recommendations on how they could have fixed it or anything like that. Like who, you know, who knows? I don't know. But I just, I just remember that it being like the longest intro ever where, where they actually unlocked the the ability to do the things that were the most fun in the game mm, yeah no that's yeah it, that, that's a hard sell i i know like i feel like with perry that's always a joke like oh you only need to do this many hours and he's like oh you know <laughs> yeah. but but yeah it's uh it, you wish you hope it sort of grasps you or f- feels that good before that point but but yeah, yeah. it, it oh, such a damn good game too well, that's the same with Xenoblade X too, right? Where you don't actually get the skull until like 40 hours in or something like that. Oh, and then you don't even get like the flying until like 60 or something. 
Because it's like, I, I'm pretty sure like that's what everyone in the world wants. Like when you play that game, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I just want to fly around in that bad freaking motion, mobile, you know? And then they're like, yep. sure, sure can just, uh, you know, give us 60 hours. <laughs> that's right. Well, especially like that's that's what you see on the on the cover too. Is like you see the skeleton standing there, and you're like, "Oh yeah, get me into the Gundam style robot. Let me blow some stuff up." And then, yeah, and that it's funny because that has actually been the one thing. Like I again, I own Xenoblade X, but I've never played it because I'm like, "Oh, I gotta commit like forty to sixty hours to get to to use the thing that I'm actually interested in doing." So yeah. uh, I haven't had the courage to try it yet. Paige, did you want to talk a little bit about the about that one? Um, I felt like the actual opening was all right. I I just when I opened it, I realized I gave up at like uh, eight and a half hours. Apparently, I've see yeah, I've since found out that the tutorials themselves aren't really that good. So that's probably why I didn't quite understand how a lot of things worked or where to find things because I found where I was stuck is that I was tr- obviously trying to find some parts for the boat and ended up just getting one shot at a lot um, or, you know, if I fell off the tree branch and <laughs> nearly died. Do you have, like, a, a general feeling of how long you'd play an RPG bef- uh, before you'd just be like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me? Like, Well, it depends because I've had ones where I really liked what I first saw say, um, Shining Resonance Refrain, where I had this whole segment where you're rescuing someone out of a tower, but then as soon as you get to the start of your actual adventure, uh, you know, I wanted me to, like, grind immediately, it was an action game, and I'm just like, mm, no. Or I really liked the intro path to Noctopath Traveler, but then I got to the regular game, and then I wasn't that impressed. I've had ones where I've been really interested from a demo or the start of a game, and then actually, it's the opposite where I've dropped off after that. That's funny though, because both of those games are uh, both games that I've done the exact same thing. I I started Shining um, Re- Shining Resonance Refrain, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that that was the one yeah. on Switch. Uh, I'm trying to remember how far I got in that one because I I think there was like you go outside the town for like the first quest or something. I I can't even remember there. There's like a cave or something. Uh, yeah. I probably played eight or ten hours, and I think I don't even know if it was that long. Maybe it was like four or five, and and it was the same thing. Like I, it got to the point where yeah, it felt like you had to grind to to really win a lot of the battles. Like it, it got to the point where it, I felt uh, under under leveled, and then yeah, I I ended up just falling off of that one, and then uh, the same like we've. I guess we've talked about it a few times with Octopath where it's like the the intro uh I thought was good and and all like the combat and the the look and everything keeps you um keeps you engaged but then the the lack of the interaction between the characters ended up uh, catching up to me by the the last uh, after I got the last character I was kind of tapping out by then I'm trying to think of some others that uh, I know we're going to be playing um covering Tales of Vesperia um, in a few weeks, and that that's another game where I think I had actually put quite a bit of time in that one, like twenty or thirty hours. But it's another action RPG where it was the same thing, where uh, the the combat it got to the point where the the action combat just wasn't uh, keeping me engaged, and I ended up uh, falling off of that one too. I'm trying to think of some others, uh, I know Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses has a it it had a pretty good. Uh, introduction as well but that that's another game that i could see people uh falling off of uh because just with it just seemed like there was so much uh that kind of like persona relationship building that was going on in the the monastery i know a a few people have talked about uh, falling off of the because there was just too much focus on on the the life going on within the monastery and less uh, uh in the actual like i guess like fire fire moon combat or something yeah, yeah, like, because you had to, you know, walk around the place to do certain favors for people. I think most people got sick of it about halfway through, if not sooner. Yeah, well, I've even heard people where they, may, they might have done it, like went through the first, uh, went through the game with one particular um, house, I guess, and then wanted to do the other houses, but ended up 
like they didn't want to go through all the relationship stuff again. So they either just like didn't bother doing another house or they or they would like try to just skip all the, the relationship stuff. Um, I guess the other the other thing we can end with is the the, the Fantasian because we both uh, have played as of the recording. Anyway, we both played through yeah. the, the intro of the Fantasian and uh, we know how great um, Sakaguchi is with the intros, but uh, compared to like his the Final Fantasy titles, I almost feel like this one is a bit. Um, I don't know if underwhelming is 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 the best way to describe it. Maybe muted, I guess. Hmm. It, it it just it seemed like there wasn't like the music was great. Uh, I thought the Uematsu uh, soundtrack was was terrific to listen to. It, it gave it some a good mood. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think what it would be missing. I guess there wasn't a whole lot of cutscenes per se like there was that an initial one i did like the robots yeah the, the relationship with the robots were pretty neat your robot buddies um i i do sort of like how they've sort of used amnesia though because he's this character's clearly very capable uh and mm-hmm. a good inventor or something so him having the amnesia means you've got these useful items but you don't he might have been pretty close towards. Oh yeah, I see. Potentially uncovering something, or you know, he's trying to. It seems like he was sort of might have been closer towards the end Weakened goal or something, and so then him getting the amnesia means that you've sort of he sort of set back to the back, but but you've still got these useful items because they're ones that he's created. So it's sort of you know I don't really yeah again amnesia is a bit overplayed, but they do. At least use it in a way that's interesting, because you've you've got a character that's known to be capable, but they're just held back because they don't know what they do they were doing, what they were trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know, why were but, they blowing up the factory? They don't they don't you know. Well, yeah, even the robots, the the, the reprogrammed robots, they were like, I don't know, you you reprogrammed us, we're, we're just here for the ride, yeah, and like, then uh, I love the little one where. Uh, where he's like, uh, Master, your your face is glitching. And the other robot's like, well, no, yeah. hey, I, I believe you meant to say he has a pale face. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. I felt bad, though, with the with the way it ended with the robots, though. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm hoping they come back at some yeah. point. Yeah. But... Hopefully not as a boss fight for revenge. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny if, if they were like... But uh, I guess that's the other thing is when you look at the... The, the boxes of like it had good music uh it gave you a tutorial to the combat uh ended on a cliffhanger to a certain extent like with the with the robots like the last thing they said before the uh the big robot i guess stood up over them yeah i mean um yeah that too but i think most game most sort of rpgs or whatever with a uh Dems on distress type thing actually do pull me in pretty well. Like I remember being very motivated by that in Dragon Quest Eight, <laughs> where I'm like, I, d- I don't care about anything else. I need to save that person. <laughs> yeah. So you're not bothered by uh, if they use an old trope. I guess if they old if they use it well, then uh, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. Well, I guess the the thing though uh, is that it succeeded in keeping me uh, excited about what would happen going on in the game. Like that that's the, the number one goal of these introductions is to really, you know, sell you on the idea of continuing in the game and enjoying it. So I guess I, I can't argue that uh, after playing through the Fantasian first, I don't even think it was necessarily, maybe it was 15 minutes. It was a bit, a bit shorter it felt, but maybe it's one of those things where you're having fun and you don't realize how, how uh, quickly the time is passing, but yeah, I thought it was a a good uh, good way to in- get get me sucked into that world. Mm. Uh, the the backgrounds and environments were much more detailed than I was expecting. Like I I know they use like the dioramas and stuff, but there's a few close ups, um, like of the of the kind of, like the ground and that oh. sort of thing, where I was like, well, man, that's it's pretty detailed for a, a mobile game that's like built off dioramas. Yeah, I well, the dioramas is how I found out about the game and what's, for me, the reason why I want to play the game. Like, the reason why I was willing to borrow my mother's iPad and borrow it <laughs> to play the game. Uh, yeah, it's all really good. It's really cute when you go into, like, the shops and the towns and you're seeing, like, little miniature knives and things like that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I just wish that somehow the models sort of looked a bit more like they suited the environment. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, like they're somewhat doll-like, but they're not quite. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't look out of place. Like it's they do blend in fairly well. My, uh, I think my biggest criticism yeah. would be that uh, I couldn't pet the cat. <laughs> oh, there are so many cats in the town. Yeah, they couldn't pet. There's I kept going up to them, thinking everywhere. thinking that they would uh, let let you pet the cat, but maybe that's they'll have to they'll have to patch that in when they. I'm sure there'll be a legion of people upset that they couldn't yeah. pet the cat. They let me uh, rummage through the garbage to find nothing, but they wouldn't let me pet the cat. Alrighty, well that's uh, all we have for this episode. Uh, Paige, why don't you let us know? Uh, is there? Do you have anything upcoming on your uh, YouTube channel the, to watch out for? Well, the latest video, I was trying something different. I did. I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. So I made a video talking about the game through the perspective of the hunter, talking about what they've done. So hopefully people like that, because then I might make more of it. Otherwise, I think I've got some older stuff to catch up on. But okay, I'm sure eventually I might talk about Fantasian too. I just got to remember to not have the iPad upside down, because I did some recording and all the video footage was upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, um, are you, like, uh, the onboard recording, or do you have it, like, hooked up to something? Um, no, it has inbuilt recording, so I just got to... I haven't looked into it. To... Um, plug it into my computer. Yeah, I've been uh, playing on an Apple TV, so I don't know if... I know there's no no recording on that device, so I might have to see it. Maybe I'll route it through my Elgato or something if I... Yeah. Well, it is only, you know, it's only half... It's one of those half-release Apple Arcade things, so um, it'll be more of an impressions video when I do... Yeah, I think they said the first 20 hours, Catch up on it. It's like a 40-hour game or a 50-hour game, and it's like the first 20, 25 or something like that, and then the, I think the rest comes out later in the year, so... Which is good, because there's going to be... I'm sure there's going to be lots coming out in the summer, so I guess it gives us a, a little bit of a break. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what cliffhanger they pull on the halfway mark then, too. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That'll be interesting. Yeah. They'll have to be good because they will they'll want people to come back. So It's an interesting way to do it, too, with the... Because um, I was just thinking, like, the the way that the Apple Arcade is set up uh, is, like, you pay the, the monthly fee for the subscription. And, like, for th- this is the only game I'm playing on it, but I, had, I actually had a free tr- uh, one-month trial. So it's like, well, I'll finish that in the first month, but... I guess by splitting it up, it's gonna it's gonna force me to pay for it later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't complain for six bucks or whatever it is. Uh, I've paid much more for probably uh, not as good RPGs. Gonna, so yeah, gonna, I'm not gonna complain. Yeah, you're gonna have to pay for half of it. <laughs> Casey, is there uh, anything going anything in particular going on over at uh, Talk Nintendo Podcast? Nothing uh, too particular, just the the normal. Uh, you can hear us every Thursday. Uh, comes out on our pod or all podcast services. Um, yeah, I'll probably be talking about uh, Final Fantasy again and some more other like some other things <laughs> along there. But uh, but yeah, we we talk about Nintendo news, all that good stuff. And and lately, it's been a healthy dose of Sony uh, PlayStation as well. Yeah, I guess Perry must have been pretty happy last week that it was an all, an all Nintendo episode that. <laughs> For yeah, yeah, he's like, thank goodness. Yeah, it might be the last one for a little. Although while. he's probably just happy it's not WoW talk. So <laughs> yeah, sorry. it's a it's an upgrade. I guess PS Five is an upgrade from WoW. He actually, uh, when we were talking about Final Fantasy last week, um, he uh, was he actually sounded interested. Mm. That he uh, sounds like it could be a game, and I think I think it does open the door, like with the action and like the the you know, turn-based kind of stuff going on. I think that could be uh, a good fit for a, a relatively new, um, you know, RPG player, mm. if you will. Well, I know Perry's a Nintendo man, but if he ever did get the PS5, I feel like he'd be blown away by Astro's Playroom. Oh, I need to play that. I I've, I played, like, literally two seconds, but uh, I, I definitely need to get back to that. Yeah, like, to me, the, it's it kind of encapsulates... It's, it's what... It's almost like what I wanted Mario Odyssey to be, like it, it just the the way that you go through the every like go through the worlds and uh, all the mechanics feels great and it's definitely like the best way to feel all, all the haptic feedback in the controller because it's really like a fifteen oh like a tech demo yeah it's like a ten right? fifteen almost, but like fun yeah so it just gives you all the feeling like uh, <laughs> with the robot walking on ice and it, like you can feel the 
the t- the each step in your hands and stuff. Um, that's yeah, that's real cool. Yeah, but it, and then there's like different weapons that you use, but it's it, it's definitely like one of the best 3D platformers I've played in a while. So if uh, if you ever if you ever mm-hmm. uh, wanted to uh, jump ship for a little bit, then uh, that's that's a game I'd recommend for him. Mm, heck yeah, that, I I recommend. It sounds like a good recommendation for me as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah you have to tell us about when you played it because it's uh, it's a pretty fun one. So many games. One day, one <laughs> day. Right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to the episode this week, and thanks for uh, Casey and Paige for coming out. And like I said, make sure to uh, subscribe uh, on your podcatcher of choice and to check us out on Patreon.com for some great benefits. But until then, we'll see everyone next week. Bye. Adios. Adios.